Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 855-616-1620. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. Well, I've consulted the website stubbleandstash.com. And uh, apparently beards do keep you a little warmer in the wintertime. Um, hmm. In fact, the Wall Street Journal a couple years ago did a story on men's facial hair and how warmer you are in the wintertime. And it referenced a Chinese study. Man, they really will study everything. I mean, I'm serious. What is the average speed of a caterpillar across a sidewalk when it's 90 degrees or warmer? There's probably a study for that. Wall Street Journal references a Chinese study that found of 100 participants, the upper lips of those with facial hair were on average one degree warmer than those clean shaven. So they make the argument that the beard, this article was dealing with, will you feel warmer in the summertime? with facial hair but i guess you can argue then your face will be a degree warmer in the winter time and cooler in the summertime they say that's a misconception hmm because the moisture this is we're getting into it now folks the moisture on the upper lip that forms when the wind blows through your beard, just follow me here, it cools your lip and it cools your face. And so to have a beard in the hot, hot summertime can actually cool you with the belief that a beard in the wintertime can keep you warm. And we're talking about a degree either way. So there you have it. I don't know. I always thought that was maybe just a, an old wives' tale. Just a myth that a beard keeps you cold or keeps you warm in the wintertime. I, I didn't know that that was any. But apparently it's true. And people are very upset about this on the text line. Wow. Okay. Yesterday, the story of Tiger Woods. I don't know what your initial reaction was when you saw the photos. M mine... And I'll think of what I shared it probably with a lot of you. How in the world did that guy survive? Right? Going fast, I think that that's kind of an assumption we're making at this point. Knowing that at this to this point, we know that there was no, um, no alcohol, no drugs. He wasn't uh, driving under the influence of anything, at least to the point that we know thus far. So let's operate under that assumption. Which means, how are you going to go careening? up a hill, over a median, across the other lanes of traffic, up a hill, and then roll, unless you're speeding. So as I said with Steve, here's the latest today. The latest reporting. TMZ. And I, you roll your eyes when you hear TMZ, but they're usually pretty good with this stuff. There's a man by the name of Oliver Conte, I think is how it's pronounced. He's a member of the crew working on the TV show Grown-ish. And he has recounted... 
what the director said about Tiger Woods nearly hitting his car just before 7 o'clock. Huh. Tiger staying at a hotel where a major network TV show was being shot. Production sources for the TV show say when the director arrived just before 7 a.m., Tiger was driving the SUV very fast as he was leaving the property and almost hit the director's car. In fact, the director was to have told the crew members, quote, yeah, you know what? I almost got in an accident with blanking Tiger Woods. He almost hit me. So now we connect some dots. Apparently, um, Tiger was scheduled to arrive at Riviera Golf Course at 7.30 a.m. for a shoot. He was going to be giving Drew Brees some golf lessons. Um, Is it Justin Herbert, the quarterback for the Chargers, was there as well? The issue is Riviera is at least an hour drive from the resort where Tiger was staying. So if he's heading out just before 7, you could tell he was running late, maybe a little at whatever. That's the late. That's the latest scuttlebutt. Thank God he's okay. Thank God he's still alive. Is he going to play golf again? Who cares? I mean, I'm 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 with most of you who think that that conversation is is just this is not the time for it. I I don't think it is. But you know what? There is something to what happened yesterday. And you heard it said by the deputy who was the first, in essence, responder on the scene, the one who spoke with Woods. You heard it from other members of law enforcement yesterday that Woods is fortunate to be alive. Lucky to be alive. The headlines, lucky to be alive. Woods faces difficult recovery. Fortunate to be living. Woods involved in wreck. And what it comes down to is, as I said with Steve, seatbelt, right? I mean, in large part, if Woods isn't wearing a seatbelt, and it was confirmed he was, he's dead. More than likely, gone. And the conversations and the stories and the news coverage, completely different today than it is. A simple act of wearing a seatbelt. And yes, I know it's been drilled in our heads since we were kids. Put your seatbelt on. Put your seatbelt on. And maybe when you're a kid, it ah, but it's so uncomfortable and digs into your neck. On those warm summer days, it's just kind of everything sticking to you already. Do I got to wear the seatbelt? I'm just going down the street. Do I really have to put this stupid seatbelt on? But I was thinking about it, looking at that photo, realizing it saved his life. And I thought, are there any other examples? And here's how I couch it. Are there any other examples of everyday, I'm sorry, underappreciated everyday inventions that save our lives that we don't even give a second thought to anymore? Did did you, Kyle, you you buckled your seatbelt when you drove here this morning or this afternoon, right? You put it on. You did put it on, right? Yes. Okay, good. Yeah. You said no, then we would have a whole different discussion. And I've I've been involved in uh, some car accidents in the past, so I've I've understood the importance of wearing one. Now, there's no guarantee you wear a seatbelt; you're going to survive every crash. I get that; it's not a guarantee. But statistics show that if you are wearing a seatbelt, and if you're not, the odds of surviving are 
astronomically better if you're wearing the belt. We all assume that. We all know that. We all operate with that belief. But like I say, it got me thinking. Underappreciated, and it was a reminder, everyday inventions that save our lives. And I wonder, is there any more underappreciated everyday invention that saves your life or that prolongs your life? Any more underappreciated invention than the seatbelt? I'm serious. You're probably driving right now, some of you, and you're wearing it. If you're not, put it on. But you get in the car. It, it, it's so second nature. You don't even think about it anymore, right? It's as, it's as common as, as breathing for crying out loud. It just, you just do it. There's only one other thing that I could think of that would make the list. But I thought seeing those uh, photos, seeing the footage, watching the, and then they lift the car out and it's just mangled front, mangled back. Is there anything on the list? There's one other thing that I think can rival the seatbelt in terms of, again, underappreciated everyday inventions that save lives. And you could say has saved your life and saves your life. So let me just start there. There's one on my list. Maybe there are more. And this is a situation where some of you are going to be uh, smarter than me and, and add more to my list. 855-616-1620. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. 855-616-1620. Let it be a reminder for all of us the importance of a seatbelt. There's one other thing that makes my list of underappreciated everyday inventions that save lives. And we don't even give it a second thought. This other item on my list, we don't even give it a second thought. So after seatbelts and this thing that I'll share with you, unless you can come up with it, I don't know if there's anything else that matches it. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Jeff is on vacation. I'll be with you the next handful of days. Through Monday, actually. Nothing like the good... Wraparound vacation. Man, I loved it when I was in school. And you'd get off on a Friday and then a Monday or Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday. Because it's all about having that Sunday night where you know you don't have to go to school and or work the next day. So Jeff will be uh, enjoying that feeling over the next few days. So watching the footage of uh, Tiger Woods, and, or the, the, the images rather, and the footage of the car. Seatbelt. Seatbelt saved the guy's life. That's what the experts say. That, that's what the... Law enforcement and the first responders were saying yesterday, lucky to be alive. That simple act, that rather underappreciated act of just putting on a stinking seatbelt. Is there anything else? And I classify these because you can really go in a wide range. But I'm classifying this list as underappreciated everyday items, every, th- things that are around us every day that were invented that save lives. And, and we don't even give it a second thought usually, right? The seatbelt, you put it on, it's, it's like breathing. You just you do it and you don't even remember doing it. 855-616-1620, Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. There's one thing on my list. It's, it's seatbelts and this, but let me see if uh, some of you have something. Jeff in Fox Point. Hey, Jeff, how's it going? Hey, good. Thanks for putting me on. Um, my item is a winter coat. 
And um, it may seem like a no-brainer, especially with the weather, but I see a lot of people walking around in hoodies and even basketball shorts and T-shirts. Okay. But they're not dying because of it, though. I mean, is a winter coat saving a life? I mean, I guess when it's 25 degrees below zero and it's the middle of the night. Yeah, because, like, 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 you know, I think a lot of people, what they do is they just assume that they're going to run going to be just like in their car and running in and out of somewhere mm. but what if you end up having to park in Timbuktu yeah. and then have and then you don't have a coat like this kid I saw running onto his car in a t-shirt and shorts right. um, recently and I thought well what if that kid in you know has a, has a bad parking spot right this, this is probably reaching a little a little bit it's not a little bit because he, I, I don't know thanks for the call Jeff I do appreciate uh, you chiming in as always I, I don't know if that I don't know if that falls under the underappreciated part. I think if, look, let's go back, what, a week ago, 10 days ago? I think we all appreciated our winter coats. It wasn't something that was just so, nah, it's got to be underappreciated. Like, it's saving our life on a, on a daily basis, potentially, and we don't even know it's there. Like a seatbelt. It, it, it's just so, yeah. Am I making this too difficult? Uh, let's see. Bob's in Waukesha. Hey, Bob. Hey, Scott. How are you today? I'm okay. So what would make your list? Well, right at the top of my list, and not only is it underappreciated, but unfortunately in the state of Wisconsin, it's underused, a motorcycle helmet. Hmm. Hmm. <sighs> underappreciated. Everyday invention that saves lives. And not enough people wear it. Yeah, okay. I could see that one. Thank you, Bob. Uh, that that stays in our lane of traffic-related um, items. Still something else, though. Jack in Janesville. Hey, Jack, what makes your list? Hey, Scott, I think I'm going to hit the, the nail on the head with this one. Um, every morning when I wake up, the first thing I do is put my contacts in my eyes. Well, first my glasses on my face, then my contacts. Without being able to see, I couldn't drive, and I don't think many people would be able to drive. Okay. So without the glasses and on contacts, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if that... Yeah, okay, sure. I mean, I could see people take that for granted. Um, I don't know. Is that a life-saving measure, though? If I don't wear glasses, I could die. I guess if you then do things where you can't see, it's it's very much possible. <laughs> I got it. Thanks, Jack. I appreciate it. There is one more thing on my list. There's only one thing that I can think of that rivals the seatbelt as an underappreciated everyday invention that you really don't realize is there until you almost die and go, thank God for that, I'm alive. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, now, now, I didn't even know that all 10 phone lines work. And the text line as well. Now you guys have got it. Let's let, uh, let's let Tom calling from Illinois. Let's let an Illinesian give me the answer that's on my list. All right, Tom, other than seatbelts, What's the other thing, underappreciated, everyday invention that saves lives and we always take it for granted until the time when it saved a life? All right. By the way, enjoying the show very much. Great to talk to you. And I think I've nailed this one. I would say um, a home smoke slash 
carbon monoxide detector. Correct. A smoke detector. All right. A smoke. There is, and you're right. We'll have the, the, the CO2 detector as well. Thanks for the call, Tom. Uh, feather in your cap today. Yes. Is there anything else? I mean, well, I'll, I'll rattle through a couple of texts, but yes, smoke detector. I was trying to think of, of a, of any invention, a modern day invention that we ignore until it saved a life. You don't put a seatbelt on, you get in a crash, your odds of dying are higher than if you were wearing the seatbelt. You don't put batteries in the smoke detector, you don't check it, fire breaks out, the odds of you dying in your house are greater than if it was an activated smoke detector. Unfortunately, how often do we hear stories of if only they had a smoke detector, or if only they had a working smoke detector, the couple could have been saved from dying inside their home. The same with the seatbelt in the car. If only he had been wearing his seatbelt, odds are that he would have survived the crash. Those are the top two things. I don't know that there's anything else that rivals the smoke detector, and we can add to it the the CO2 detector, with the seatbelt in terms of these truly underappreciated, commonplace, everyday items that were invented to save lives, and now they're they're just a fabric of who we are and our lives, and we don't even give it a second thought, and yet it's saving lives, saving our life. I don't know. Anything else on the list, Mike? Anything else on your list? Anything else that rivals those two things? I don't think it rivals it, but I'm sticking with sidewalks. Yeah, sidewalks. It's an esoteric answer, but I'm sticking with it. Yeah. You use sidewalks to... Walk around, not in the road. You know what happens when you walk in the road? Your chance of getting hit by a vehicle is exponentially increased. Okay. Look, they cornered the market with smoke alarms. That done. Segment over. So I'm just trying to. That's that's how I timed it out. Now it's new. Segment over. News time. <laughs> <laughs> that's that will put a little bow on this thing. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. <laughs> Jeff Wagner is on vacation, but that does not mean Jeff Wagner's Home Improvement Showcase is on vacation. This week's sponsor for Jeff's Home Improvement Showcase, presented by Great Midwest Bank, is Senior Realtors Bruce and Gene Nemovitz. They are the experts in senior real estate. Bruce's team is there from start to finish, selling, downsizing, and so much more, and they're easy to find. Just visit brucesteam.com. Brucesteam.com. Whenever you think of the coverage of the Tiger Woods story, which isn't even 24 hours old yet, Tiger Woods is one of those names, I was talking to Mike or somebody in our newsroom and we were just talking about what it takes for a story to be a story when it comes to the person at the center of it, in this case, Tiger Woods. And... There are certain individuals in sports, in society, pop culture, entertainment, what politics, that because of their stature, because of their fame, fortune, whatever, they transcend through all the different walls in society when it comes to, they're known by everybody. I mean, think, think how many people know who Tiger Woods is? How many people know who Tiger Woods is? Or I should ask, how many people don't? 
Could you find a person in Milwaukee who does not know the name Tiger Woods? I don't know that that's possible. There are certain individuals in sports. You could go and say um, Chris Middleton. You think you could find some people in Milwaukee who don't know the name Chris Middleton? Probably. Probably. Or in the United States? Of course. Definitely. Could you find some people who don't know the name, let's go politically, who don't know the name Ron Johnson? In Wisconsin? Probably. Doesn't say much for our state, but you probably could. Yet there are names of people that, because of the fame and the heights they've reached, are known to everybody. I used to call it, I still call it this, um, I used to call it the grandma test. I remember... Before my grandma passed, every once in a while, there'd be something in the news, whether it was politics, but usually sports. She followed the news. She followed politics. But I knew a sports story had crossed into this other realm of, of pop culture, or, or it became a news story if my grandma knew the name. And so I would say, yes, my grandma knew who Tiger Woods was. If my grandma was alive during Giannis's climb to fame and fortune here locally, I'd be like, yeah, grandma knew who Giannis was. She knew who Brett Favre was. That was always my, that was my litmus test for does this person, does this public person transcend and cross all those artificial barriers of people who aren't sports fans, of people who are of a certain age. I mean, look, how many Kardashians could somebody over the age of 80 name? I don't even know if I can name them all off the top of my head, right? But if you ask somebody who's 25, 26, sure. I don't know. Name a rock group. Name a musical group. Name, name a pop uh, a, a pop group. Whatever. The likelihood of younger people being to name is higher than older people, right? But there are individuals who cross all those lines, and Tiger Woods is one of them. I put Tiger Woods on that list. If we're just in sports here for just a minute, Tiger Woods is on the list. LeBron James. Is LeBron James on that list? Does everybody know who LeBron James is? Could you find somebody in America who does not know who LeBron James is. It might even be tough to find some people, I'd say the world, but let's just keep it here within our borders. LeBron James. I bet there are some people who don't know Michael Jordan anymore. And it would be very, very young people. Like if you asked a a 10-year-old or an 11-year-old, do you know who Michael Jordan is? I bet you could find somebody who does not know the name Michael Jordan. Who's I I wasn't intending to start the, the show the first hour with my list hour, but... Tiger Woods, LeBron James, Tom Brady, maybe? Tom Brady in the NFL? Would he be the only NFL player? There's maybe one in each league. If if the NFL had one, Tom Brady would have to be it. There's no more famous NFL player right now, again, that transcends through everything, than Tom Brady. LeBron would be in the NBA. Tiger Woods would be golf. Serena Williams, maybe, in tennis? But tennis is not as big a sport. 
You could say maybe in racing, NASCAR, but as big as NASCAR is, I don't know that there's any any driver in NASCAR that 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 fits that bill. Am I missing anything? Anybody? Any name on your list? I think in the vein of American sports persons, I think you, I think you got the list. Uh, I'm thinking of something that's more international. You know, if you were like Cristiano Ronaldo. I think that would be a good international example. He's soccer, by the way, because yeah. I'm willing to bet there's some people listening that going, I don't know who that yeah, is. Yeah, or Lionel Messi. I think that's sort of Messi. the 1A, 1B. Any of the first namer, the, or, I'm sorry, the one name people. <sighs> that gives it away. If you if you known by one name, that gives you a certain strategy, like Tiger, LeBron, sure, Messi. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm thinking, trying to think of like something maybe with the Olympics. Maybe like Sean White, but but I don't think we're there now. I think that would have been the case when he was a little bit younger, like in the prime of winning gold medal right. after gold medal. Yeah, so I, I, I feel like the Olympic athletes, they m- more than not, they're famous. It's almost like a flash fame. It it it, it spikes. Everybody knows who they are. Yeah, it's in that maybe month. in the ramp, or even in the ramp up to the Olympics, and then shortly thereafter, if like Michael Phelps, right? right? Michael Phelps. I bet there are still people now this year, this year, right now, that if I said Michael Phelps, do you know who Michael Phelps is? Um, might be some younger people who don't. I, I don't know. It, it 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 transcends socioeconomic status, age, uh, everything. But there are certain individuals in society. Now, we, we've just touched on sports. So I'm going LeBron James, Tiger Woods, and maybe Tom Brady. And that, that that's a maybe. But that's it. I don't think there's anybody right now, a contemporary of ours, who, who, could, who could fit that bill. Now, beyond that, if I go politics, okay, I, I assume that I would say ex-presidents, but you could ask a young kid about Jimmy Carter, and they may go, I don't know who Jimmy Carter is. Barack Obama? I think Barack Obama. and uh, Trump. You say Trump? I'm sure there's like a five-year-old. Uh, Trump? Trump? Yes, Trump. Yeah, I, I know who Donald Trump is, right? Even more so than Biden in some ways because of the ubiquitous nature of the name Donald Trump and how it permeated all these different layers of our lives for so long for so many different reasons. Trump, Obama, LeBron, Tiger. Maybe Bill Gates. Bill Gates. More people than not know who Bill Gates is. Yeah, I first thought Jeff, maybe Jeff Bezos, but I think Bill Gates would be mm-hmm. higher on the list than, than Bill Gates. Bezos. I have another. Somebody texted in another one name. Just one name. In this case, just a first name. And everybody, everybody, I think... And you may go globally on this one, would know who this person is. I'll read that text. I'll get to some of your other texts as well. If you do have one, 855-616-1620. Because that was the other, one of the other things that came of yesterday was knowing I could click away from ESPN. And, and that is always an important sign as well as to the fame of that person. Can I click over to CNN? or Fox, or MSNBC, or any of the cable news networks? Is it going to lead the NBC, CBS, ABC News? If that person finds themselves in the headlines of 
those news outlets, then you know, okay, this is different. This is more than just a sports story. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Yeah, but you haven't even touched the entertainment field. At least, like, move. How is it? There's got to be somebody on the movie list. No, the name, and many of you have texted it, is Oprah. One word, first name, Oprah. Oprah's on that scale. Is she, though, still, even without the TV show anymore? I don't know. I suppose she still has all her different... She's still a billionaire. She She's fine. But Oprah... Oprah... I should have been writing these. Oprah, LeBron, Tiger... Bill Gates, and then you during the commercial break, Kyle, say, well, what about the movie industry? And that is a good point. Here in 2021, being a a true global industry that it is, right? I mean, it's a lot easier to get your movie distributed worldwide now than it was 50 years ago or back in the heyday of Hollywood, right? The golden age of Hollywood. Yeah, they were bigger than life stars in America, but how popular were they around the planet? Now, different story. So Kyle and I were debating as to the most worldwide, is this what we're asking, the most worldwide famous actor that could be on the LeBron, the Oprah, the uh, Tiger scale from the entertainment world, and you said... Uh, I said Tom Cruise. More than Tom Hanks. Yeah, I think Tom Hanks is more USA uh, of the, of the same tier, but definitely more because of, of the USA thing. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think the Tom Hanks movies internationally are as big as something like Tom Cruise, like mm-hmm. Mission Impossible, that kind of thing. Whereas Tom Hanks, if he's Mr. Rogers, you know, people in Italy aren't going to really care too much what about that. What are you that. saying? You're saying Sicilians don't <laughs> care about Mr. Rogers? Hey! <laughs> But, but, but you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I think this is kind of like a question of like who is on the Mount Rushmore of, uh, of like culture. Kind the of Mount thing. Rushmore question, yeah. yeah and, and it doesn't mean that we're limited to like four persons. No, but, no. But I think this is, you know, if you're going to be known by one Here's name, the question. Here, you know? Here's how we can define it. If Tom Hanks walks down the busiest street in Beijing, Moscow... New York City, I'm trying to think, uh, London, is he going to be mobbed? Will he be mobbed? And it's funny because I, I tend to agree with you now that I've thought it through those uh, those parameters. I think Tom Cruise is more likely to be mobbed. If just regular old Tom Cruise goes walking down the street, is he going to be mobbed more so than Tom Hanks? And I, I think you're right. He's more of a global box office movie star than Hanks. Yeah, maybe not necessarily mobbed by people, but who who or is who, who is yeah who is like recognized like right. I know exactly who that is, and I think like I say in in America it's going to be one A one B when we're talking Tom Cruise and Tom Hanks, but I think internationally Tom Cruise is going to take that cake pretty easily. Okay, well, what about The Rock? Because a bunch of people have texted in The Rock. You talk about now I realize he's not winning Oscars and Emmys and things like that, but. If we're going to talk international entertainment star, what about The Rock? Yeah, The Rock, I think Rock is close to that in this moment right now. But Tom Cruise has been like the number one movie star for almost 30 years. Yeah. So, 
I mean, the, the Rock, kids love The Rock. Yeah, The Rock was uh, in high school 30 years ago. So <laughs> He was. I don't know. I just, I think if you really are to, to consider those, those individuals that transcend uh, their specific industry, and whether it's just they're known by one name, or as we found out yesterday, when something happens to them, the world takes notice. And the United States news cycle stops and focuses on that story. And if you really think it through, there aren't many people for whom that accident could have happened yesterday. And we'd get the result in terms of the news coverage and whatnot that we have. Tiger Woods is definitely one of them. See what happens. We start doing this and then we spend the commercial break. What about that guy? What about her? What about that? Yeah, from the music industry, uh, Madonna was a popular suggestion. Beyonce, again... Using my grandma test, would my grandma have known Beyonce? I think a share, share, okay, share. Would that fit the younger end of the spectrum? Do kids in high school know who Share is? I think so. For dress up day, they would know Share. Um, somebody said Paul McCartney. Mm. I mean, I think Paul McCartney certainly um, is known for a wide range of people. But again, in that case, would somebody in high school know Paul McCartney? I don't know. If only we could survey high school kids and senior homes, but we're not allowed to go to either right now. But um, interesting. All these names. Ozzy Osbourne. Really? Kevin Hart? Come on. Come on. Now, stop it. Well, Ozzy Osbourne I could see because he no. had that reality show. My grandma and he's would not have known Ozzy Osbourne, though. No, I'm using the grandma from test. The, yeah, he was in Black Sabbath. I mean, well, Grandma, is Grandma really into Black Sabbath? Probably not. Well, no, exactly. That's why I got that very high bar, that very high criteria. Okay, coming up after the news, um, Quintez Cephas, the former Badger, who's the Lions receiver right now, is suing UW-Madison. Reading the story, the very last sentence of many of the stories reminded me of just how botched uw handled that entire ordeal we'll get to that also i do want to get your reaction to what uh, utah senator mitt romney said today or was it yesterday i don't remember about if trump runs again is he a shoe in and if you don't agree with romney he thinks it is if you don't agree with romney you better have another name i know i know we're what we're a month and four days removed from the inauguration. But we're already planning for 2024, doggone it. we got to start talking election. Get us the special election ID, 2024. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. In for Jeff. Yes, he's on vacation. Him and Merck here on vacation together. Not to get, I mean, they both have coinciding vacations. They're not vacationing together. Maybe. Check Instagram. Does Jeff have an Instagram account? Do you have, what, what? You look at the look on your face. Come on. Kind of uh, like the look on my face when I read this headline. You may have seen it yesterday. I didn't until, you know, like 10 minutes ago. Woman upset here before i I read the headline let me just say this i'm always intrigued when people 
reach a level of anger that I could never find myself getting to in any circumstance, let alone some of the most ridiculous circumstances. You know, you you hear about somebody getting irate at TSA because they're annoyed at how long it's taking for them to get through security and they throw a fit and security has to drag them away. And I think as annoyed as I get and I get annoyed, I can never get that mad. This is one of those situations again. Woman upset over the taste of her popcorn assaulted an employee at Southridge Mall. Now... If you if you know the details, just bear with me. But I'm I'm gonna just gonna read you some of the interesting little factoids about it and ask yourself on your worst day. I mean, everything has gone wrong. What was the name of that book? My very bad, no good, very bad what was that? That children's book. My no good, very bad day. Isn't there something else in there? A terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. Thank you. On your most terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day, could you ever see yourself acting or reacting like this? A woman angry over the taste of her popcorn assaulted a female store employee at Southridge Mall. This happened on the afternoon of Saturday, January 16th, so at least a month ago. Greendale police responded to Treat Street inside the mall for a report of a physical altercation between an employee and a customer. Here's the report. A customer entered the store and became very loud and boisterous and requested to speak to a manager about poor-tasting popcorn. Okay. I I could find myself unhappy with the taste of popcorn and going into the store going, something's not right here, it's burnt, it's just not flavored the way I, I paid good money for the pop. Can I get an exchange? When the female employee told the customer that a manager was not available, the woman got more disorderly and started yelling profanities. That's where I go, yeah, couldn't see myself doing it. Could you see yourself doing that? I'm sorry, uh, Scott, the manager is not available right now. Then could I get so upset that I would start yelling and cursing and swearing? The woman, I'm sorry, the employee asks the woman to leave. Okay, Scott, we're going to need you to leave. That's when the woman charged at the employee. Nope, I couldn't get there. When it escalates to a physical altercation, I have never been that mad. I have never been that upset in terms of a customer service situation. I'm not exactly like I was getting in fights in school. That's not what I'm saying. But think of the most upset you've ever gotten. In a customer service situation, you're the customer. Have you ever, have you ever reached the point of, I'm going to haul off and punch this person or shove this person or make physical contact with this employee that has put me in this state of rage? The employee asks the woman to leave. The woman charges the employee who, oh, by the way, was four months pregnant. Pushing her in the upper chest area and face. Another dazzling detail. The customer, who herself was with a small child. There's a great um, example of adult leadership. Then left the store. I don't know if it was the mom or what. If it's mom, great, great parental example there. The employee told police that her upper chest and mouth were sore, but didn't need to go to the hospital. 
then they describe the uh, the um, assailant, as it were. They can't find this woman, so they have a photo here, and they're looking for the person because it looks like a, a pursue a, a charge of battery and disorderly conduct is is coming her way if and when they find her. And here's like a grainy footage of a security camera. Maybe somebody snapped it. I don't know. But I, again, it's just one of those little stories, those little examples, and it happens all the time, all the time. You don't have to dig that deep to find it. Or people are so, they get themselves so worked up. I don't know. Is, is it just, is it a physiological thing? There are just people that, it doesn't take much to trigger them, I guess, right? Is, is that what I'm saying? Yeah. It just doesn't take, and yet, as upset as you, you, you've been in the food service. You've been on the other side of the food service industry, right? I mean, you, you work in, you, you are oh, yeah. the employee. First. Like, as someone who works at a yes. drive through at a Starbucks, you, oh. yeah. I, uh, okay. How angry, whether it was the Starbucks days, um, or maybe now uh, at Lakefront, or any of your other stops in, in a customer service field, career field, how angry, can you tell us a story of how angry any customer ever got? Or, or does nothing really jump out? And you've just been very fortunate that nobody was upset that their mocha chino frappa venti was a little bit overdone. And I nearly hauled off and slugged you right in your esophagus because of it. Yeah, not enough ice. Um, <laughs> I can't think of anything that's come to physicality uh, offhand. Um, but, I mean, I, there's been plenty of instances where you somebody... you remember if the one did, though. Well, yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, I can think of so many times when somebody would be angry at something and would drive off in a huff. Like they reached their boiling point and they right. would leave. One time, uh, there was a man that that came into the store after that happened and wanted to cuss us out or whatever, and then and then left. Uh, but no, no, I've never really had okay. anything physical. Nothing where you feared for your own physical well-being. Yeah, and I've never I've never witnessed something like that good. either. Look, that is a very good thing. But I'm just saying. For people out there, maybe you're one person and there is somebody who just, it, it's, you get mad and it triggers you. I, seek some help. I don't know. See a therapist. Go to, go to church more often. Take a deep breath because whatever bad day this woman was having, that poor tasting popcorn put her over the top, whatever mental space she had to get to in order to do this i cannot relate and i think more people than not are in my position but it always leaves me shaking my head when I, when i see a story like that where somebody got so upset in a customer service type situation that it results in a physical altercation so speaking of um altercations i suppose but also speaking of just a little, a little dazzling detail I found one. I did. At the end of the Associated Press story, it wasn't so much a detail as it was a reminder to me. I'd forgotten about something regarding the Quintez Cephas story. Remember the former uh, UW uh, football player? He was accused of, of sexual assault. He was kicked off the team, kicked out of school. The university tried to work their own investigation. Um, eventually, the he, he won in court. And it fizzled out, and he was invited back to the football team, and he played a senior year and all that stuff. It was messy. It was ugly. It wasn't pretty. It was not smooth. 
there's a development here that made me realize just how botched UW, uh, the UW investigation was. Because they were able to do something that I didn't think was possible. I'll share the details, the dazzling details in a moment. Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. The headline yesterday, ex-Wisconsin receiver Quintez Cephas sues the school over his 2018 expulsion. As the AP writes, the former Badgers wide receiver says in a lawsuit filed this week against the university that he was used as a scapegoat during a sexual assault investigation that resulted in his temporary expulsion. People remember this, right? He's seeking unspecified damages in his lawsuit accusing the defendants of violating his due process rights, the defendants being Madison, violating his uh, Title IX provisions and breach of contract. You'll remember he was suspended from the football team in August of 18, was then expelled from the university for violating its non-academic misconduct code as part of a Title IX investigation following his arrest on second- and third-degree sexual assault charges. Of course, you remember the jury ultimately acquitted Cephas. He was reinstated went on and and played a uh, season with the Badgers in 2019. He's now in the NFL. Hmm. Hmm. Here's why he's doing this. He wants to set a precedent so that schools are more careful and more diligent in how they proceed on these cases and not just sort of rushing ahead to judgment when they know for a fact they don't have all the evidence. His agent, I'm sorry, his lawyer, spoke with NFL agents and draft analysts, here's the other piece of the, of, the, of the story, who believe had he not gone through this as it played out, he would have been uh, drafted higher. You get drafted higher, probably going to make more money with your first deal, right? The complaint says that the, the Wisconsin, uh, University of Wisconsin was seeking to push for harsh male prosecutions in order to remedy its long-standing failure to address sexual assault complaints. The complaint adds that Cephas's status as a well-known football player made him the perfect candidate for the university to prove its investigative efforts and punish accused males in a high-profile way. Who are the defendants? Let's get specific here. It's the Chancellor, Rebecca Blank, the campus's Title IX coordinator, Lauren Hasselbacher, and the UW System Board of Regents. Huh. Okay. You'll remember the case where Cephas was engaged in sexual acts with two 18-year-old Wisconsin students who later said they were raped and too drunk to consent. Cephas said the sex was consensual. The lawyers say that the school's Title IX investigation was an, was an egregious miscarriage of justice. That investigation concluded that Cephas, quote, more likely than not, sexually assaulted the women. So the university's investigation concluded, more likely than not, he sexually assaulted the women. Because of that, he was kicked off the team, expelled from school. The lawyers are saying, the university should have, you know what, you got to just wait. Just delay your investigation until the criminal proceeding, because evidence, it was all about evidence. There would be relevant evidence that would come out in the criminal proceeding and could not come out until after the criminal case was closed. If the university gets their hands on that evidence, 
that they can't until the criminal case is over and done with, that's going to change their ultimate decision. They say that included a video evidence disputing the women's claims they were intoxicated that evening. Cephas says that that school acknowledged it had unsuccessfully attempted to obtain this evidence and went ahead anyway with the disciplinary hearing. Hmm. Now, read the whole thing. Just kind of gave you the the, the thumbnail sketch of, of the backstory in case you forgot. I did. I forgot some of the details. And then the last paragraph, the very last paragraph reminded me of a detail that I had also forgotten. Maybe you too. This lawsuit, Cephas suing Madison, UW-Madison. The lawsuit comes five months after one of the female students involved in the case also sued the university over their decision to reverse his expulsion and allow him back on the football team, because that's how it ended. Do you realize what has happened here? Think about this for just a second. The University of Wisconsin botched this entire ordeal so much, so badly, that we are now at the point where you have one of the women who claimed she was sexually assaulted suing the university for allowing Cephas back on the team. You now have Quintez Cephas, who was the... The guy at the center of the trial, at the center of the complaint, ultimately acquitted by a jury, mind you. You now have Cephas, who is like the woman that claims she was assaulted. He, too, is now suing the University of Wisconsin for how badly they botched the entire ordeal. Holy cow. I mean, just wrap your mind around that for a second, right? We're in a place... We're in, I, I shouldn't laugh, but it's just, it, it is almost laughable. I, I, look, and I know Jeff covered this at the time, the uh, former lawyer, federal prosecutor that he is, better than I can. But even I, as, like, as, as, a, as a neophyte about the law, looks at this and goes, wow, wow, how bad was it? How bad was it? That in the end, you have Quintez Cephas suing the university for how they handled the case, and you have one of the women who claims she was assaulted suing the university for how they handled the case. Both parties, both parties in, you know, a serious accusation and a serious, both parties are going after UW Madison. They actually agree. Cephas and this woman actually, I guess, technically agree that how UW handled it was so bad that they, in their individual complaints, deserve some sort of uh, uh, what financial wherewithal or uh, legal repercussion to the university. Oof. I suppose there are certain maybe law classes, human resource classes, I don't know, PR classes, there probably are case studies that can be made of how the University of Wisconsin handled the Quintez Cephas case from day one all the way through the trial and now beyond. And it is a case study for apparently how not to handle a sexual assault allegation, how to handle the potential victims, how to handle the accused. Hmm. Not good. Not good. But just... Think about that.
Didn't see that one coming, did you? No, me neither. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Okay, let me just say this is very, this is pretty crazy. So I just teed that one up real quick. I got four texts in the span of, what, that two-minute commercial break? All four, all four, four different texters, all gave me the same name of somebody that they think should or would win the 2024 nomination. The same name from four different people in a two-minute span. Mitt Romney, I think we all realize where Mitt Romney is on the Trump continuum, right? But he believes the former president would win the GOP presidential nomination in 2024 if he decides to go for it. He said yesterday, I don't know if he'll run in 2024 or not, but if he does, I'm pretty sure he'll win the nomination. That's a pretty bold statement. Mitt Romney knows a few things about winning party nominations for president, right? I'm just going to make it really simple. Is he right? Is Mitt Romney right? Do you agree with Mitt Romney? Pretty simple sentence. I don't know if he'll run, but if he does, I'm pretty sure he'll win the nomination. As we sit right here, right now, I know, I know, it's 2024. Is is, is Romney right? Tell me why. And if you say, say no... Give me another name, not another name that could, but you, you think another legitimate name that could win the GOP nomination. 855-616-1620 on the Accunate Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is a, again, 855-616-1620. This is a name, Mitt Romney, that I think uh, people's heads kind of jerk back and they go, wait, wait, what did he say? Hmm. We're going to hear, by the way, from Trump on Sunday... He'll be speaking at CPAC, and uh, there are some excerpts, or I don't know if they're excerpts per se, but they, there are some who now know what he's going to say. I was just reading here also. Um, he's going to hammer Biden on Sunday on everything from immigration to China. Okay. Meanwhile, he's expected he's expected to fall just short of announcing a 2024 presidential bid. Sources tell Fox News that Trump will go between, quote, warming up to the idea of a 24 run and walking right up to the line of announcing another campaign, though he is not expected to make an actual announcement. Personally, I think that's the space that Trump will be in between now and 2024. I'm not basing this on any insider information, for example, um, but I think he plays the I might. And he takes us right up to the line. That way he can stay relevant, even more relevant than a former president can. Usually the most recent ex-president stays pretty relevant. But we know Donald Trump wants a little more. So I, I, I don't think he'll run. It's just, just a hunch I have. But he'll play this game between now and 2024 to remain even more relevant than he otherwise would. But Mitt Romney, I don't know if he'll run. But if he does, I'm pretty sure he'll win the nomination. Do you agree with Mitt Romney? And if you say, no, I disagree, I'd love to know a name that you think, seriously, serious now, has a chance to win the Republican nomination. It's a fun parlor game to play in February of 2021. I've got to realize it. Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is 855-616-1620. Kyle's lining me up, so be patient if you're trying to get in. Uh, Let's start with Mike. 
Mike, good afternoon. So do you agree with Mitt Romney, first of all? I agree if it was held today, he would win the nomination. It's very hard to see four years into the future. Mm -hmm. But definitely if it was held today, he would get the nomination. I would definitely agree with you on that one as well. Um, because there's nobody, yeah, if, if, if we were running again in November of 2021, if we had an election in November, right. is there anybody with the type of, even now, groundswell of support that could at least make a serious run? No. Not no. even close. No. Um, but in the interest of adding another name, looking down the road, um, I think Nikki Haley would be a formidable opponent. Hmm. Yeah, Nikki Haley is one of the names that has popped up on the text line as well, Mike, so you're not alone. Thank you for the call, 855-616-1620. Huh. What do you think? What do you think? I know, speculation. I am never shy about wading deep into the speculative waters. Jeff from Waterford, come speculate with me, Jeff. What do you think? Is Romney right? I, uh... I would think so if it was uh, born tomorrow, yes. I, I love it. Hmm. However, uh, I think um, if it were to be down the road, um, Ted Cruz might be a better alternative. Hmm. Um, if I heard you right, you said if, if the election was this, this November and Trump ran, you said you'd love that? You'd love that idea? Yes. Yes. Do you think he will? Do you think he will in 2024? Let me just have you look ahead for me for a second. Well, you know, I'm not sure on that because, you know, he got his teeth knocked down his throat for doing what I think was a good job. And uh, we had uh, the opponents saying they were not going to work with him from day one, which they didn't which made his job all the tougher. And quite honestly, the guy is very well known. He doesn't need the money. He was doing it strictly because he loved his country. And doggone it, I thought he was doing a fantastic job. Um, granted, a lot of people don't like uh, the way he talks, the way he speaks. He's a little bit harsh. But, uh, you know, that's, that's just his demeanor. That's how, he, that's how he runs. Right. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you, Jeff. Um, 855-616-1620. Okay. I, I, I can't disagree with Mitt Romney because I know it's hard to predict and prognosticate. I, like I say, I don't think he will, but if he did, who would get the nomination over Donald Trump right now? I, that's a tough one. 855-616-1620. If you're on the line, hold on. So Nikki Haley... Ted Cruz, two names that have been put out there. I don't know if Ted Cruz. I mean, I, I just, I, I, I can't see Ted Cruz winning a nomination. I, I just, I can't. I cannot see that. Nikki Haley, different story. We continue. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Back to the phones. Brookfield, it's Adam. All right, Adam. I know it's February of 2021, but the next election hey, can't get going? here soon enough. Okay, go ahead, Adam. Who do you think? Yeah, do, do you agree with Romney, first of all? I, I, when the last time Romney was involved in presidential politics, every time, I mentioned this to my wife, every time he opened his mouth, 
the word elitist came out of his mouth. I think I'd never heard a politician sound so disconnected from the trials and tribulations of the middle class in my life. Everything that he and he just spoke. Okay, at such okay, a different level. That's fair, and but now, but but. That, that That's fair, Adam. But again, he's just saying, I don't know if he'll run Trump, in, but if he does, I'm pretty sure he will win the nomination. So um, regardless of what you think about, you know, when he just speaks about general politics, what do you think of that sentence? Do you agree with him on that? I, If Trump runs again, I think he could win. I don't think Romney is going to stand a chance. I'd go for Haley or maybe even DeSantis. Oh, Ron DeSantis. Okay, there's the first DeSantis mention. I'm just making a little list here. Yeah, I just like Florida. So. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Adam. I appreciate it. 855-616-1620. All right. Ah, it's our friend Gianni. Hey, Gianni. Oh, hello. Good afternoon, Scott. Hey, well, what an ironic twist. You know, I, I think that uh, I think that Romney himself w- would would be a favorable candidate. Um, Trump is getting older. And um, so, you know, I think, you know, Romney has has an aura about him, uh, a certain sense of style. Um, and perhaps, you know, contrary to your last caller, I, I, I almost think that um, he could be up there with 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 Nikki Haley yeah. um, or, or they could, you know, do, do a ticket. Hmm. Um but, I will tell you I this. I will tell you. Yeah, thanks for the call, Gianni. I appreciate it as always. I will tell you this. You know what Mitt Romney has? He's got the look. Like, whatever you think of Mitt Romney, elitist or unable to connect with, with uh, the common blue collar American out there, or man, wha- wow, how in the world did he blow that thing in, in 2020? Whatever you think of Mitt Romney, he's got the look. Like, the guy. Watching him walk across the floor of the Capitol during the impeachment process, you know, as you're watching all the senators walk through, he walks into the room and goes, you know what, if central casting, didn't Trump even say this of Mitt Romney at one point? Trump loved the central casting look of certain individuals. Like Romney just looks like he was cast as the president in a movie where there's an asteroid about to hit the earth or something like that. He's got the look. Now, does he have a chance? I mean... If can you imagine a Trump Romney primary? Those are the last two guys. I mean, you you would basically have the two ends of the Republican uh, conservative continuum, the two sides of that party. Oh, you talk about a a heavyweight match. But again, not really diving deep into the Romney chances. But Romney just says, I don't know if Trump runs again in 2024. But if he does, I'm pretty sure he'll win the nomination. I'm just curious if you agree with that. I mean, I think you have to admit Mitt Romney does know a few things about what it takes to win a nomination, right? Troy calling from Door County. Hello, Troy. Hey, Scott. Thanks for having me today. Thank you. Um, I, I kind of agree with, with uh, what Romney said. I, uh, there's just so many Trumpers out there, and uh, he, he, can, he can rally a crowd better than anybody, I think. He's proven yeah. that. I would, like, I, I, would, I, would, I would be all right with Romney. Um, running because I, I think he, you know, basically showed some class and also was, was honest with the correct call this last time versus a Ted Cruz and Nikki Haley. One thing about Nikki Haley, what's really interesting is like two years ago, she, she was like, or maybe it was four years ago, she was like all over Trump. And then all of a sudden I become part of his ticket. And now, 
you know, you guys got to get off my case, off his case. He's a good guy. And I, I just, you know, something about those people that are just flip-flops and you can't trust them. And that's why a lot of people, I'm not the only one, a lot of people just don't like politicians because they just lie and they're only interested in themselves. You know what I'm saying? And that's, for and sure. that's my negative against Nikki Haley. But for, for sure. thing for Teddy. So, Look, yeah, it's, right it's going to be you. really tough, Troy. Thank you, Troy. I appreciate the call. It, it's going to be really difficult to find somebody who does not, at some point flip-flop and look that's the problem that a lot of these republican names that keep popping up so that that's a problem they're going to have to address or or a hurdle they're going to have to cross you said xyz about donald trump when he was a candidate then you said xyz when he was the president now what is your stance that he's an ex-president who could have seen that particular issue coming there's still another name uh, that has been a very popular one. I see somebody um, is going to bring it up on the phones. And then uh, Kyle uh, was able to flag for me this political survey, national tracking poll, that was put in the field about a week, 10 days ago. And the question was asked of almost 2,000 registered voters. The question was asked, if the 2024 Republican primary were being held today, for whom would you vote? And... Not surprisingly, Donald Trump was the overwhelming favorite, but there are some other names that garnered a portion of the poll results. Some of the ones we've mentioned, some we haven't, and I'll share with uh, share you uh, share with you those results as well. If you're on the line, hang on. All right, let me squeeze in these two calls real quickly here. Jim in Milwaukee, real quick, Jim. Uh, do you do you agree with Romney that Trump would win the nomination? If not, give me another name. Uh, the former governor of Ohio, Kasich, mm. K-A-S-I-C-H. Yeah. I liked him back then in 16 when he ran for the primary for Republican, but obviously he didn't win. But if he had won, and I'm a Democrat, I would have voted for him over Clinton because I didn't care for Clinton. But I think Kasich, he's been against Trump. He, he's come out, if you listen to the news uh, lately, last few months, sure. he has spoken about against Trump. He's not afraid. So I would, I would like to have him see him run. Hmm. He's definitely more in the moderate lane. Thank you, Jim. I, I, what's very interesting is that uh, you say, you know, as a Democrat, that would have caused. And any time somebody says, "I'm in one particular party or another," and I would have voted for the other party had they nominated that person, you have to listen to those calls. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate it. Uh, here's the name that. When I, when I opened this up, I got four texts within two minutes, and they all said this name. Nick in Hubertus. Well, they didn't say your name, Nick, but give me the name you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Scott, good afternoon. Uh, yeah, no one brought up Paul Ryan. Yeah. Uh, he's been out of politics for a little bit, but I think uh, he could definitely do pretty well running. I, I don't know. Isn't it amazing? I've talked about this before. Isn't it amazing how Paul Ryan has just... And more power to him. God bless him. He he was at the center of it all. I mean, we talk Romney, and then he and then gone. Poof. And then he fell off the face of the earth. Gone. But I still think he's he's relevant. I think he could he could stand against you know uh, Joe Biden or whomever. Mm. Thanks, Nick. Yeah, a lot of obviously in, in these parts, a lot of people. Mentioning the name of Paul Ryan. Like, does Paul Ryan even go to the grocery store? We need to get some sort of Ryan. I need a Ryan report. Somebody down there in the, in the, um, in that neck of the woods. Where, uh, 
Where's he? Uh, Ryan. Uh, Janesville. I'm going to say Plaqueville. Janesville. Somebody in Janesville. Have you seen Paul Ryan? Can somebody just tell me this? Like, I'm looking for, like, the grainy, you know, Sasquatch-type footage of Paul Ryan skulking in... No, skulking. <laughs> meandering into a grocery store. Somebody must, somebody must see Paul Ryan going to the grocery store. Just somebody tell me he's okay. 855-616-1620. There's somebody down in the Janesville area. Oh, yeah, Paul comes into uh, uh, Joe's uh, barber shop uh, every couple weeks. And gets his hair cut. I just want to make sure he's okay, because I haven't seen the last photo of Paul Ryan. Real quick, though, before the news. So Politico, the survey from about 10 days ago, right, asking almost 2,000 registered voters if the Republican primary were being held today, for whom would you vote? Donald Trump got 53%. The second highest percent goes to a man whose name wasn't even mentioned. In our conversation over the last 20, 25 minutes, of all the, t- I got a lot of texts. His name was not texted in. Nobody called in with his name. Mike Pence, Mike Pence, the vice president for Donald Trump. Nobody, isn't that, isn't that crazy? Nobody thinks, oh yeah, Mike Pence. Why wouldn't the vice president for our last Republican president run for the nomination? That's just a name that people, they go, oh yeah, yeah, what about him? Hmm. That tells you something. Okay. The other thing that tells you uh, something, the third highest percentage, so Trump at 53%, Pence at 12%. There are two people at 6%. One is Nikki Haley. The other one is Donald Trump Jr. Got 6% on this uh, on this vote. Mitt Romney at, f- I'm sorry, 5% then said they would not vote. So... Trump, the order again, Trump, Pence, Haley slash Trump Jr., then would not vote. (laughs) Okay, that's uh, rather uh, interesting. Then Romney and Cruz, then someone else, (laughs) Then, then Rubio, and then a bunch of names at 1%, like Josh Hawley, Tom Cotton, Tim Scott, Christy Nome, Larry Hogan, uh, Rick Scott. Mike Pompeo got 2% as well. But that's interesting stuff. Anybody here? Let me just check my text line real quick. Uh, all right. Somebody said Paul Ryan moved to Washington. Did he move? Hmm. I, I didn't hear that. I, I don't know. Well, see, I don't, I don't even know. I would like a Ryan report. Somebody, I'm on for one more hour today, or at least by the time I'm done. I'm in for Jeff through Monday. By the time Monday at 2.59 rolls around, I would like to know where Paul Ryan is. Has somebody seen him? I want to make sure the man's okay. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now in for Jeff Wagner, WTMJ's Scott Morris. Okay, so I missed the article that said Paul Ryan's moving to Washington. This is from the fall of 2019. Why would he move to Washington? Get out of there! (laughs) Uh, Let's see here. Some of you have sent this uh, Deb from Politico. 
from uh, fall of 19. Paul Ryan moving his family to Washington from Wisconsin. Uh. Hmm. The former Speaker of the House, a one-time GOP VP nominee, leaving his longtime home in Janesville, he'll rent a house in the Maryland suburbs. Now in the private sector, Paul and his family are temporarily renting a house in Maryland, and he'll be spending time there, as well as their family home in Janesville. Hmm. The move will place the Ryan family close to the sisters of Jana, his wife. They're not selling the Janesville home. Hmm. Okay. I, I didn't know. I'm sorry. I didn't know that. Well, at least, and then, and then somebody uh, sent me this, the 920 texture. This is great stuff. See, I just, I don't know something, Kyle. You put it out there and somebody listening to a 50,000 watt radio station hears it. Purdue is hosting Paul Ryan and former Senator Heidi Heitkamp for a virtual discussion. Hmm. They're sitting down with Mitch Daniels, who's the president of Purdue University. All right. This is this is tonight. Son of a gun. The event can be viewed via live stream on Purdue YouTube's channel. It's free and open to the public, but you have to register. Former U.S. Speaker of the House Paul Ryan, former Senator Heidi Heitkamp, will participate in Purdue's presidential lecture series in a discussion on American democracy. Where the bleep do we go from here? No, I added the bleep part. It just says, <laughs> where, do, where do we go from here? A discussion on American democracy, your favorite memories. <laughs> so it starts at 6 o'clock tonight. Tonight, how about that? How ironic is that? Thank you. Okay, we found him. You can call, a, call off the search. Now we can. He's living in Washington while still maintaining the residence in Janesville. And tonight, if if I want to, I just want to make sure he's okay. We're going to see him on a live stream. Does he still do interviews with anybody around here? Oh, man. Takes me back. Takes me back. You know, real quick, since we were doing the po- political thing, um, there's an article uh, on the Hill, on the Hill, in the Hill. If you're reading the publication, it's in the Hill. If you're literally there, then it's on the Hill. The headline says, Biden leans into empathizer-in-chief role. And for those of you who listen at night, WTMJ nights, when there aren't sports, 6 to 9, that's my usual show. I have felt this from the beginning, you know, that one of the things that Joe Biden had going for him was the empathizer-in-chief role. And I think for a lot of people... It's what put him over the top. I don't know if I can quantify that, but I think he has that ability. And you might say, well, it's because of a lot of the personal tragedy that he himself has dealt with in his life. Probably so. He's had plenty of practice in in um, grief and sorrow, being in a position to provide sympathy and empathy. Those aren't the same things, remember. And now we're starting to see some real-life examples of it in the position as president. The Hill writes, President Biden has been leading hard into his role as the nation's empathizer-in-chief as he contends with multiple tragedies during his first month in office. And he's traveling to Texas this week, Friday, with the First Lady as the state grapples with the effects of a deadly and rare winter storm. 
The trip follows a moment of silence this past Monday. You may have seen it, the candlelit tribute from the White House to the 500,000 Americans who have died of COVID. Standing in the White House cross hall, Biden addressed the country not only as a president, but as a man who is deeply familiar with loss. Hmm. He also, uh, did you know, he paid a visit to former Senator Bob Dole recently. Of course, the news that Bob Dole was uh, diagnosed with uh, cancer. What, stage three, stage four, lung cancer? Anyway, Biden made a trip to, to visit Dole. And there are times when it's, it's just a confluence of events. And I have felt that because of Biden's ability to emit empathy for a nation right now that needs it dearly, sorely needs it, I think there's a certain amount of right time, right place. I believe that history will look back on Joe Biden winning the 2020 election, look at what the United States was going through, primarily with COVID, and go, he was the right man at the right time because of his ability to connect with people and provide empathy. An empathizer-in-chief. America, in my lifetime, has needed it now more than ever. And he brings it 100 times over. That's not to say that I hold it against, nor do I think anybody should hold it against Donald Trump that he didn't provide empathy. As I've said before, I just don't simply feel that Donald Trump had the empathy gene. That simply is not, and when president was not, a character trait he had that could be used. And so I I can't hold it against Trump. I can't. He tried. There were moments where he tried, and it always, if you're like me, saw it, and it, it came off staged, and maybe sometimes it was. It came off corny sometimes. It There was a, a perceived disingenuous nature to the rare moments where Donald Trump tried to show empathy. He just, he couldn't do it. He didn't have it. It wasn't one of the traits that he brought to the role as president. And in recent memory anyway, the presidents that I've been able to watch and analyze as an adult, he was the first one that really didn't have it. I'm sure if we go back into time through the history books, you'll go, well, so-and-so, uh, you know, Millard Fillmore wasn't exactly the most empathetic figure. Okay, I don't know. But I, there's got to, they're, they're just human beings. They're just, they're people like you and I. And maybe you know people in your life that have the ability in a very, grief-stricken situation during the most tragic of moments for whatever reason they're able to connect with people they're able to maybe put a hand on a shoulder or offer a hug and in that moment provide some sort of relief empathy some people have it maybe some of your friends and relatives don't donald trump didn't have it joe biden does and it's really interesting as we watch And it definitely a stark contrast between two presidents 
on the issue of empathy. But it's really fascinating to watch how Joe Biden uses that character trait and applies it to his presidency and applies it to a nation that needs it. It was hard during those moments of tragedy during the Trump administration when I wanted, and even if you are the most ardent Trump supporter, you wanted him to go hug somebody pre-pandemic, I know. Go hug somebody, and he did. I mean, but it, it just never... It never came across, I think, like we want. We want our presidents to be a a, a range of things. We want certain character traits in all of our presidents. And one of them, I think, we want them to be empathetic. So it's good that we have an empathizer-in-chief in the White House again. We need it. And thankfully, Joe Biden brings that character trait that characteristic into the oval office and now we'll use it as tragedy and as grief meets him and meets us over the next four years it's a good thing that is not in my opinion a criticism of trump it's just a fact it's just reality trump did not have the trait biden does we need it we need it now more than ever jeff wagner on wtmj Every time I hear this song, have I told you what I think of when I hear this song? I could say this on the air. I think so. Uh, Well, we'll find out. No, of course I can. What the heck? We're all family here. When I worked at a prior radio station, I was not, not here. I worked in another station. And um, every time, this is not good. This is horrible. Where's the empathy from Warris? What was my idea? But every time somebody got let go, (laughs) one of my coworkers, gosh, it's horrible, would play that song like in one of the recording studios and they just blast it. Come on now. We don't do that here. That was not here. It was in a prior radio life, as we like to say. So every time I hear that song, my mind goes back to the days of working at another station and somebody would get fired or something or somebody would quit. It wasn't always a firing. Somebody would quit and then you'd hear... (laughs) Horrible. Scott, you just spent a whole uh, segment talking about empathy. Now you're saying that in the prior radio life... You and your radio colleagues used to play Another One Bites the Dust every time somebody lost their job that's not him. I don't know. Radio people, we have an interesting... You have to be be wired a certain way to do this. Yeah, there's the understatement of the show. I don't know. There's certain senses of humor. There's a certain sick sense of humor among people in radio. I can say that. Is, Is that fair? Is that fair? Okay, sick is sick too strong a word. Maybe unique. I think working in news, you have to have some sort of cynicism just built in. Yes. There you go. I mean, I'm not a news person, per se. Like, I'm not like Melissa or Eric or Mike or, you know, Tony, stuff like that. But even just doing what we do, and, you you know, from the producing side or the on-air side, yeah, cynicism. 
cynicism in radio is good. I think it's good. I think, well, I think so much of what we present uh, in in our newscasts or whatever, it's not always good news. You know what I mean? It's not always positive. That's why, like, almost always on local news shows or whatever, they'll end on a happy clip. Uh, Oh, yeah. And end on the positive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, they're, they're delivering... Maybe maybe some good news, notes of progress, perhaps, but usually like some like the Tiger Woods thing. Not a great story. Always mm-hmm. the headline. It's always going to be something a little bit more negative. So when we have <laughs> us working in news, have a happy news story, we're, we'll always have some sort of cynicism that comes with it. Well, because I think, and I, cynicism, while we're talking about character traits, basically this this portion of the program. While cynicism can be very annoying, if not altogether grating, in like hanging out with friends. You know what I mean? You're hanging out with friends, you're watching the game, and there's that guy. I'm usually the guy. You know, he's always Mr. Glass Half Empty. Why are you so cynical? Can't you just enjoy the moment? All that stuff. There are moments where that cynicism is not in your favor, but I think in, in talk radio, um, like I say, I don't, I'm not a news person. I don't have news training in that respect. But cynicism allows you to think contrary to the way most people do. And if you think contrary to the way most people do, there are chances you can unearth an angle of a story, a detail of a story, some sort of avenue that could perhaps open up a, a topic for a host or a story for a news person. So the cynicism, in a way, makes you see things in a different light. And you're not going to be unique in a point you make or a story you find if you're not looking at things through a different light. I always say, my default setting, and I, I think it's to my to my benefit in doing this as a, as, a, as a host, albeit a fledgling talk show host, compared to the person who sits in this spot normally, who's been doing it for over 20 years, but it's that... If everybody, and I guess I would recommend this, just just do this on your own. If everybody zigs, I don't necessarily always zag, but I ask the question, two questions. Why is everyone zigging? Why isn't anyone zagging? And then you assess the zig and the zag. And in the end... You may find yourself zigging as well with the rest of the group. You'll just be lagging behind. You'll have to catch up with the other uh, people who are zigging. Or you may an- analyze the situation and go, you know what? I'm going to zag. I'm going to zag because those who are zigging don't know this, so I'll zag. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I-, I think in your life, the more critical you can be of a news story or a topic or anything... The more likely you'll be to more, the more likely you'll be to to be a well-rounded, maybe a little bit more educated on the particular topic. How did we get on this? Oh, another one bites the dust. That's right. <laughs> so I, I don't know. You you use the Tiger Woods story for example. I mean, I think there are plenty of reporters out there, and, and it, it it comes with the territory. The longer you've been doing it, the more your reporter savvy takes over. Is how I understand it. So people are asking the question, you know, where was he going? Why was he going that fast? Um, if everybody's asking the question as to 
where was he going? Maybe, I'm just thinking out loud here, maybe the question I would ask was, where was he? Like this TMZ thing that I read at the beginning of the show. Where was he before he got on that portion of the road? And was there any sign that he was under the influence of anything? Was he agitated? Was he speeding before that? Everybody's thinking, where was he going? Why was he there then? No, no, no. Ask, where was he before that? Had he had any run-in with anybody before that? And as we're kind of learning, because that's kind of what the TMZ people do, he did almost hit somebody in the parking lot at the uh, resort before he left. The, the, the news zigging and zagging, folks. Zigging and zagging one. That's what I'm talking about. And how we got there from the song... <laughs> Another one bites the dust? I don't know. Blame Kyle. He chose it as the Mupper music.